Hey, what's up, Bluntheads? This is Greg, and welcome to Bluntcast 14 of the quarantine socially distancing uh, times that we live in. These Bluntcasts uh, air live uh, via Zoom on our Facebook Live page, and you can also check them out on our YouTube page. I think if you search the Philly Blunt Podcast on YouTube, you'll find us. This episode, we sit down with Philly rocker Kate Nix, who also happens to be a uh, wrestling costume designer and creator, as well as luchador mask creator. She's a multi-talented individual with a lot of great views on the times we're living in, and uh, we hope you enjoy. Stay safe, wash your hands, keep listening, and enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Philly Blunt. My name's Johnny Goodtimes. Brief. This is Greg. All right. We are excited this Friday night to be hanging out with uh, a woman who is both, you guys know how we do. We always like to have people <laughs> yeah. on the show that have- uh, Like at least eight eight jobs or hobbies yeah, or eight interests. Different, uh, eight different jobs and, and no, no two uh, match any of the others. But yeah. we're talking with Kate Nix who is Philadelphia's foremost costumer of wrestlers. Yes. And also a hell of a musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kate, we are, uh, yeah, just checking yeah. out your music. It's great. I love Welcome, the Kate. song you just came out with a couple weeks ago. Thank you. Excited Thank to you so much. Uh, Thank you. Let's, let, let's, start with the, let's start with the wrestling. Mm-hmm. And uh, want to know how in the world that, you know, you, you – came to be this designer of wrestling garments. And yeah, just give us a little background on that. So I am married to professional wrestler Ophidian the Cobra, who is probably most notably known for um, a viral video. He went, uh, he was in a couple years back where he hypnotized an entire locker room and they all started dancing. Um, it was like, <laughs> on g4 and espn and all these different places so like he has his own little sort of wrestling was his whole life he's been uh, wrestling for over a decade and when we started dating um eight years ago at this point um i was a burlesque performer and i've been a costumer my whole life but at one point when we were dating he misplaced a gear order or someone didn't get contacted in time or they weren't going to be able to make something and i knew how to sew so i was tasked with creating his outfit and i hated it and it was one of the worst experiences i've ever had in my life it was a, the most agonizing sewing project i have I had ever dealt with at that point and I there was no information about how to make that stuff in 2013 there was I couldn't just like look up a YouTube video about how to make wrestling tights or whatever at that point I was going off of just my knowledge personally and my understanding of how physics worked which spandex makes that kind of um, am I allowed to swear? <laughs> yeah, you're encouraged. Tell. Encourage the swear. Okay, Sp- uh, spandex makes that kind of fucky so um, yeah. you basically everything I knew about sewing was not irrelevant, but it was sort of like, it was sort of like speaking English in Quebec. Mm. Like it, it, you, it was functionally, there was some purpose to it, but it didn't have a ton of 
uh, use. And I essentially had to reteach myself how to sew stretch materials, which is an entirely different set of skills in relation to how you control your machine and how you, what type of needles you use, what type of thread you use, the way that you calculate patterns, because I make all my own patterns from scratch. I draft individually for each different client's measurements. So, um, yeah, I basically had to teach myself how to do all this stuff. And then when my husband wanted to quit his day job, he decided to come work for me. And we together run Closet Champion, which is our wrestling gear company. That's awesome. How did you convince him to do that? He told me it was happening. He okay. said, <laughs> he said I'm going to quit my day job and I'm going to come work for you. And I said, <laughs> you have never listened to me a day in your life. How do you think <laughs> it's going to work with me being your boss? And so far, we haven't murdered each other, which is great. That's amazing. Um, yeah. We do have a lot of heated debates. We're both very passionate people, and we both are convinced that we're right. So there's definitely like heated conversations about color and oh, pattern so, and so you're married people yeah, yeah right right <laughs> <And> context <laughs> yeah. but um nothing that uh sometimes he does know to sort of uh concede to my just more knowledge because i've been sewing since i was a child so there are things that i even though i might not necessarily be able to explain in the moment are they're kind of innate to me um, he sometimes is willing to trust that, but a lot of times he's questioning it as well, which makes me sort of figure out how I, why I'm doing what I'm doing and whether or not what I'm doing is the best process forward. There's definitely times when we've had fights, but it's ended up with us having a more productive or efficient creation process moving forward. What's the process, what's the process like for creating a wrestling costume? Well, it starts with someone writing you a really poorly worded email that says, do letter you make gear, no question mark, and no other information. You um, like wrestling? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Philly um, Blunt fans. <laughs> so it starts with that. Um, but then eventually uh, you either get a design from a client or that client's boss um, we've done like we've done stuff for the WWE, for example, where like we weren't contacted directly by the wrestler. We were contacted by the WWE coordinating writing. I don't know what the guy's job was who contacted us, but mm -hmm. he we got a, we made a lucha mask for um, Andrade CN. Uh, um, but uh, the process is normally we get a design or someone emails us and says I need a design and I either design it or I alter their design depending on again gravity and physics because like you can send me a very nicely made comic book style image but it doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily mean that what's happening there is physically possible or mm -hmm. able to happen because like you can't really dye spandex because it's a synthetic fabric so we can only use the colors that exist um mm -hmm. So there's definitely some limitations that people don't necessarily consider when they are just sort of thinking up randomly what they want to wear for wrestling gear. And it's not like there's like a warehouse that just has, you know, the span wrestling spandex. I, I guess it's a really niche. Uh, it's a really niche industry, right? You can't just. Well, there's like the very. Warehouse and you're a wrestler. There's very specifically two stores in New York that I order all of my spandex from that only do spandex, but the majority of it is made for basically like 
like what you would make a children's dance costume out of. (laughs) That's what they make most of it. I mean, well, now that spandex is such a prevalent fabric though, there is a lot of stuff that's like more fashionable than you would see because you have these people that like there's entire companies as they just make hoodies that are mermaid scales or whatever. So Mm -hmm. there's definitely things like that as fashion has progressed that it's been a lot, it's become a lot easier to get more niche fabrics, especially more locally. Joanne's now has like an entire spandex fabric line due to cosplay existing Mm, um so it's gotten easier over time to source material because more makers i think are looking for that stuff more people are learning how to make things given how easy it is to find knowledge on the internet which is why my husband and i have started a new youtube channel where we're teaching people how to do what we do we started with lucha masks because we think it's a pretty classic like wrestling specific item and we're going to expand from there so i don't have to you know make all the wrestling gear that i do because what's what's the name of the channel it's closet champion it's all closet champion okay okay what what are the color limitations of spandex like are there like 20 base colors well it depends on the year because they they will like certain companies will only release certain seasons of fabric like in a fashion show right like you have your spring summer collection and your winter fall collection Hmm. there will be fabrics that I can get consistently for years and then all of a sudden they run out and they didn't make anymore so I can't use it that's happened to me multiple times where people have come to me for the same item that they got before and Mm -hmm. I can't make it because that fabric doesn't exist and depending on the different colors of dye this is getting really nerdy but (laughs) depending on the different colors of dye the way that the colors react to the synthetic fiber changes the way the fabric moves so Mm -hmm. like a magenta fabric in a spanda in a certain spandex isn't going to react the same way that a green fabric would because due to whatever chemicals they use to make the synthetic dye it changes the way that the fibers work so i can make the same exact thing cut the same exact size from three fabrics from the same line like from the same distributor and they can be vastly different sizes because of the different exactly that's 100% exactly what it feels like. You're like, why? Why is yeah, this you, happening? You sound, like, you sound like MacGyver right now. You, <laughs> is, this, is this all self-taught? This is all like you just learned yeah. this on your own? Yeah. My mind can't. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, it's just, it's been done through just like sheer like force of will too because they do not make it easy. Like every fabric company names everything a different name. Like they just come up with whatever dumb thing they want to call it. And it's not related to what the, how the fabric was made or who fucking made it. It's just, Oh, this is illusion, but illusion at spandex world is a different thing than illusion at spandex house versus online fabric store. Like they're all different things. And like sometimes power mesh means there's more strength and sometimes power mesh means there's less strength and it's completely irrelevant. So essentially you're just kind of like buying yardage, hoping that it's what you're looking for. And Mm -hmm. then once it's cut, you can't return it. So I just have this sort of like backlog of fabric that exists, which means Honestly, sometimes when I get commissions that are like in the colors I already have, it's great because I just have this back stock. But mm-hmm. a lot of the time, it's just like half of my house has been taken over <laughs> by fabric. Now, what's really little- going on? Have you been getting requests to make masks? Is that something you're doing right now? We've been making them for family and friends um, and certain clients for free. Uh, we just made a face mask for Orange Cassidy that he wore on AEW, his denim um, face mask we made. Um, but we've mainly been making them for them for family and friends because we don't think it's 
right for us to charge for a medical device that they should already have. Like the government yeah. should have made yeah. enough, have yeah. required the GM or whoever to stop yeah. production and make enough of them that we aren't fucking dying. But apparently that's now in the hands of the people too. God, democracy is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about the, uh, the industry uh, of, wrestling garments so you know because i i'm guessing most of is most of the stuff that you're doing like for chikara um, yeah chikara is the primary um chikara is the primary company that i do work for but i've made stuff for people all over the world and what a lot of people don't realize that even sometimes at the wwe level like each performer is responsible for their own Wow. Here. Okay. That's what I was so gonna, like. I was wondering. I was wondering if the WWE comes to you and says, We have a new guy that's going to be this, or if that guy comes that to you. That guy comes to you. Okay. The majority of the time, I would say 99% of the time, that guy comes to you, which okay. is why when you look at those six figure contracts, they start like, Oh, travel's not included. Like, hotel stays aren't included. Nothing. They're independent contractors. So it's really like not the, it's not as glamorous as it seems to be. Right. That's and and you, you've been around it, you know, your, your, your husband's uh, in, in been wrestling for a while now. Um, wh what is, were you at all a wrestling fan growing up? And, and this was just sort of, you know, this was sort of a natural addition or did this come out of nowhere when you started dating your now husband? Yeah. Well, yeah. so my husband and I met, so when I was, um, when I was 17, I moved to Detroit. I'm from this area. I'm from Lancaster kind of area originally. Okay. Um, well, mostly. I'm from really, like, my family moved around a lot, but I've lived most of my life in Lidditz and, like, having come to Philly, like, occasionally. So I'm from around this region. But when I was um, 17, I moved to Detroit uh, to live with some other family and uh, just, you know, not be in Lancaster and yeah, yeah. Uh, I understand that. I can get that. Yeah. yeah. So I moved to Detroit, <laughs> and the first show that I did in Detroit as a musician was for the show called Squared Circle Review, which was the world's only rock and wrestling burlesque circus. So I played the part of the human marionette, and I was in a. I was like, I was in a little. Well, not little. I was in a chest, and they like. And I came out of the chest and there was this giant like human marionette thing that connected up to the top of the stage at the performance place that we were at. And my husband, um, who was just someone I knew then, was one of the performers on that show. So we met back in 2008 um, and sort of, and that was the first time I'd ever seen independent wrestling because I was aware tangentially of like, Stone Cold Steve Austin and things like right, that. But right, like, right. I, I am a very cisgender lady. Like I did girl stuff. My mom did let me take karate. <laughs> like I wasn't allowed to do, like wasn't allowed to do tomboy stuff. They kind of tried to make me do sports, but by that point I was a lost cause. So I'm like very, I'm a pretty <laughs> feminine is. person. And I never really got into it because I, I don't like seeing people get hurt and that didn't really appeal to me at all. But uh, so I was at the show where my husband was performing and I was watching what he was doing, which was totally different than anything I'd ever seen. I had never seen Lucha Libre and I had definitely never seen it live. And he and his, um, and another performer, uh, the worker ant back in 2008, um, it's played by a different guy now, but it was a certain performer then. They performed at that show with, uh, Zach Gowan was in that show. Um, I think Eddie Venom, 
uh, a couple other like indie people from that area as well. And uh, that was my first introduction to independent wrestling. And I was like, I had no idea. I will watch this. It's like yeah. acrobats and a soap opera and everybody's like in crazy outfits and hypnosis takes place. And yeah. I, had, yeah, yeah, I it, didn't know. <laughs> it, the, the, you know, the, the WWE stuff got so carried away with trying to be Hollywood that it kind of forgot the roots of almost a carnival atmosphere and i feel like that's for some of the independent guys have been so great with is recapturing that that carnival carnival atmosphere absolutely i i i mean the roots of both burlesque and wrestling are in the carny circuit and obviously like the entire idea of kayfabe and carny language and wrestling like language in that way they are completely intertwined um and as i grew to become more friendly with my husband. And then we started dating. Um, I just sort of, well, because he liked it so much and I thought he was cute. Like I, it opened my <laughs> mind to what I thought it could be. I wouldn't have paid attention to it for, I mean, I was interested in it. I start, had started watching WWE a little bit on my own and I went to a couple indie shows by myself. I was by no means like, oh my God, wrestling immediately. But when I saw from his angle, the psychology of it and how he used it to tell stories, the way that I used my art forms to tell stories, that to me is what sort of turned the, turn the page for me. Like I mm -hmm. realized over time, I was kind of learning to understand the vocabulary of what the physicality meant. Because when you don't, when you're not into fighting and you weren't raised on Kung Fu movies and you don't necessarily know what's happening, you can look at a wrestling match and be like, there sure are a lot of people running around. Like <laughs> you have no idea what's going on. But as I've become more of a wrestling fan and developed my own opinions on things, I've been sort of, I mean, now I think that wrestling is one of the most important, I mean, not so important that they should be having shows during a pandemic, but I think it's an important industry because it allows space for people to feel emotions that they wouldn't al otherwise allow themselves to feel in a safe context. Like they can, you can get really mad at the heel and you can hate them and you can boo them and you can say vicious things and you can desperately cheer for blood and then you can be done. You can go home to your wife and kids and not freak out. Like there's a very important catharsis that occurs in a gladiatorial setting that mm -hmm. we can't reasonably with good conscience, I think, Put, a, put on on a regular basis certainly like if you watch a real MMA fight like that dude's done in 15 seconds if it's like if anyone's worth their salt like you can't tell a story in right. I mean no in, in a 15 second just, fight yeah it's a bloodbath it's not theater you, you mentioned the pandemic like how has that affected both I know your husband's a wrestler and you make the costumes you guys work together how's that affected your business and your your mind state all that stuff well Right now, we are essentially unemployed when it comes to the wrestling gear side because the level of clientele that we typically work with are not performing right now. Like the people who, the independents are basically dead. And um, because of that, people, like all the deadlines that existed to have these sets of gear that we would have made have essentially disappeared. They're starting to come back as people are sort of like tentatively figuring out what yellow zone means and whether or not we're going to hit another wave. But um essentially we've been like out of work. We've been relying on my music sales and streaming income as our primary source of income, which is uh, incredibly stressful to say, but also I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. How's that um, going for you? And how would you describe your sound? Like what, what, what's your music style? <sighs> this is 
That's a fucking question. Um, So my thing that I say to like sort of open the door to what's going on is outlaw folk. That's like where I start people. Cause there you get kind of, you get like the like old West vibes, but you also know that sometimes I'm going to slow things down and make it like kind of pretty. So like you get sort of that, but, and then my next thing is like, I'm like if Johnny Cash was an angry feminist, witch. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, I've, so there's I've that stuff. And it definitely, uh, it definitely runs the gamut. There's like iced tea covers Really? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I did a I cover of... Covers, um, there's, like, there's, like, beautiful, sexy stuff. There's, like, 80s, like, new age stuff. Like, it's really all over the place, which I really like. Thank you. Yeah, I try to... I don't necessarily want to pinpoint myself in one genre so much as I think that music is a universal language, and by using the different sounds, it evokes a different story, right? Like, mm-hmm. if a guy's wrestling... If guys are wrestling strong style, it's different than they're wrestling Lucha Libre or whatever. So then those storytelling devices wouldn't necessarily work the same way in either type of match. So I treat music the same way. Like, if I'm... If, I'm, if I start from nothing, if I'm just starting from concepts... I want whatever you hear to be what will get you closest to how I felt when I wrote it or how I want mm. to feel when I listen to it. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what, what Ice-T songs did you cover? That's, that's. I covered, um, I covered Big Gun from the Tank Girl soundtrack. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. yeah. Very, very uh, unknown Ice-T joint. Yeah, he retweeted it actually. He said did it was he? good. Yeah, oh, nice. it's like one of my greatest accomplishments. I've been retweeted by Ice T and Strong Bad, and there's literally <laughs> you can't top them. Right. Like fuck you, Chrissy Teigen, Strong Bad. <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I read it. I read an interview where you said uh, you probably wouldn't be performing if it wasn't for seeing Josie and the Pussycats the movie. Yes. Tell us a little about that. My all-time favorite movie of all time. Um, Joe's and the Pussycats. I saw it when I was, I thought I saw it when I was uh, like young elementary school age and it was the first satire I ever understood when I saw it. Mm-hmm. Like I watched that movie and I knew that it was a send up of popular culture mm. at, at that young age. And it was the first time where I was like in on the joke and I didn't have to mm. have an adult explain it to me. Mm. And it also looks like the inside of, this might be a reference that's lost on you, but do you know what Limited 2 is? I have a little sister. I know what Limited yeah, is. Yeah, so Limited yeah. 2 was like, was like the place to get clothes when you were a little girl in the 90s. And it looked mm-hmm. like like if Austin Powers was a gay woman, like, it, 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 like the inside was just like plush blue, dark blue velvet carpets and green and pink flowers everywhere. And it was just this like totally psychedelic, Mm-hmm. 90s craziness and Josie and the Pussycats really because it's it came out in 2001 so it's sort of like just before the grunge pop punk thing it's like that is starting to come up but the power pop like n- Spice Girls stuff Spice hasn't Girls, really yeah, died yeah, yeah. down yet mm-hmm. so you're like right on the edge and I'm oh god I probably would have been 10 when I saw it so it, I'm yeah, no, we're referral. I, I know. I see you doing the math in your head. Like, yeah, no, we're just old. Let me pull gonna, my abacus out. <laughs> I, I, well, I'm going to be 30 this year, so I'm not. I'm not oh, like an oh, infant. 30. Oh man, oh, you're 30 geez. years old. What are you? Gonna- I'm excited. I'm it's fucking over. excited. I want to be. I want to be 50. Like I'm so done with the best. 30. I'm. 
I'm so like being in my twenties was such fucking trash. Everyone either talked down to me or assumed that I was supposed to be in a different place than where I was. Mm-hmm. And now that I've finally, I feel like I've finally reached a point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to be 30 this year. I've released four records. I've, I, I run my own business. I have a moderate, like I, I've achieved success and I feel like I'm at mm-hmm. the right point. Like, I feel like that matches the number. My whole life, I've always felt like I'm trying to be older or mm. for a brief moment, I was trying, I felt like I was trying to be younger. Cause when you're 26, for some reason, everybody makes you feel like you should be 21, which is just the dumbest bullshit on planet fucking earth. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, Joe's being the pussycats, yeah. very, way more important <laughs> than my age crisis. Um, <laughs> Joe's and the Pussycats was written by Deborah Kaplan and Harry Elfont, who also wrote Can't Hardly Wait. So it's this very sort of like super sarcastic, very sardonic. There's a bunch of, um, there's a bunch of product placement in the movie and they didn't get paid for any of it. Like the whole, everything you see in that movie has a logo on it from our world. And in the commentary track, they talk about how they were going to do it with fake stuff like in the Simpsons, but they thought it was funnier to have the real target logo and the real tide logo and everything. So everything is plastered in consumerism. And the whole entire point of the film is anti-consumerist. It's be yourself. It's, it's don't let society put that on you, like be whatever you want to be, whether or not people like it, like your friend, like you can always count on your friends if they know the real you and these really like these fundamental tenets of what essentially I would learn to be like to think of as riot girl of like bucking the system and hanging Mm -hmm. out with your girlfriends and like that kind of thing. Um, And it was just that first sort of spark in me where I was like, Oh, this is an option. I could be Josie from Josie and the Pussycats. Mm-hmm. That sounds like, cause she played guitar. She wasn't like Britney Spears. She didn't just like hang out in, in her hot outfits, which was extremely cool, but mm-hmm. I could learn how to play guitar. I couldn't mm-hmm. learn how to be hot. Right. So um, is, that, I mean, is that something that was just always inside of you as a young girl, like realizing that you're not that, that girl, that, that what they expect you to be? Well, I don't think it's, that so much and uh, over the years of therapy I've sort of learned about why I why I feel this need to other myself but I was essentially raised in an environment where um what I was what I was perceived as was very different than what was really going on Mm -hmm. and um I've tried to express myself to indicate what's really happening because when I was little I looked like the little girl from my girl and Anna Chlumsky yeah Anna Chlumsky and I felt like a little goblin who wanted to like like a little creature and like I felt like this sort of like hard candy shell was not close to how I felt which was like more like a real full person and not just the idea of what a person should be I don't know but I have always felt the need to make the feelings on the inside appear in some way on the outside, whether it be through art or what I look like or whatever, because I felt that the vibe that I give off naturally, or at least the vibe that I thought I was giving off as a kid because of how people perceived me and how people put their own knowledge of what the world was onto me was not right. So I wouldn't be like, Oh, I'm not like the other girls because there are a million fucking women exactly like me. But I would say that there has been some part of me that has always wanted to make. And Josie was the first sort of 
because I had been sewing it before that point. I remember I made my own cat ears and I wore them to school and I sold them to my friends at school <laughs> nice. until it became a trend. And then once it became a trend, I couldn't do it anymore. This, <laughs> this happened when I was 11. I remember being like, oh yeah, I saw a third grader wearing cat ears. It's, I can't do it anymore. It's so over. Yeah. Man, I've had a rough day. I'm going to smoke a bowl and watch this movie now tonight. You sold me. Oh my it. God. You're going to fucking love it, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, is, it is so good. Alan Cummings is it on Netflix or anything? I'll find this. It's got to be somewhere. You, yeah. you, I mean, honestly, like Sony is not protecting that property. Like, you can find <laughs> it very easily. But right. I think if you have HBO, then Hulu has it because okay. like it's through stars or some mm. bullshit. But I remember when it first came out, I got ripped to shreds. But now it's become like a cult classic. Like, because everybody yeah. didn't people didn't get the joke. They were like, mm-hmm. why is all this consumerism happening? Why are you showing this mm-hmm. to young girls? And Deborah mm-hmm. Kaplan and Harry Elfont were like, kids are smarter than you think you they are, dumbass. Like, <laughs> they, they understand that du jour is not who they're supposed to be emulating. And I did get that as a kid. And I've actually, like, had the privilege of being able to, like, tweet at the director and talk to him mm. about how his movie has helped me and mm. he's thanked me for becoming a musician and like t- mm. we've talked about how many people became musicians because of that movie because it showed a an approachable um diy version of what they were trying to like portray it showed the girls working hard in addition to finding su- like the success was sort of not the point because the point was that they were getting to play music with their best friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is this, yeah let's, let's do a watch party tonight, Reef. Yeah. 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 Let's do it. <laughs> so, so that's what inspired you to pick up the guitar and start writing mm-hmm. that yeah. movie. Wow. Okay. Movie. My, um, my dad and my brothers played music when I was um, a young child, but I, I wasn't like allowed in the practice room because all the instruments were too expensive. And my dad was like one of those people that had 37 guitars. This is before my parents got divorced. Like when I was a very young child, like my dad, like the whole basement was just like bullshit. I couldn't touch, which like, why the fuck are you going to have a guitar if you can't play it? Yeah. What's up? What's up with that dad? Why? Oh, now what's happening? I want to, I was like, oh, there's a picture you know, of me. Warn us about that, man. They, they don't, they don't call him Johnny Segway for nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Picture of me beating my husband up. Yes. I, I want to, this was your five-year anniversary photo. Yes. And because... it is my favorite five, it's my favorite anniversary photo I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I want to, my wife and I have our 10th anniversary this December. And I really want to maybe not recreate it, but I'm so inspired by this photo. Uh, tell us, tell us how that, uh, tell us how that picture came to be. So um, that photo was a still shot of a production that my husband and my best friend and I put on called the gorgeous ladies of burlesque, which was a full theatrical burlesque play that included uh, wrestling as well. So um, we had wrestlers performing, we had burlesque performers performing and as the, as the sort of like headlining showpiece, my best friend and I, we were both burlesque producers. We had never wrestled before in our lives. We learned how to wrestle so that we could wrestle my husband and another wrestler as the final match of the show. Um, so I ended up doing like a 15 minute match and then a two minute dance number because our finishing moves obviously were us doing burlesque. So mm-hmm. we ended up, it was a whole like scripted show where we, 
we followed our characters where like these two burlesque performers become wrestlers because they want to be part of the gorgeous ladies of burlesque. It was right before the second season of Glow came out. Um, So we were sort of like trying to ride that wave as well as I had always wanted to do a gorgeous ladies of wrestling show before they did the show. Like I love the original Glow. Sure. So I wanted to pay tribute to that in a burlesque show and uh, my best friend agreed to do it. She also was very into the Glow series and was like, if that's good, then the original shit must be good. And I was like, yes, you have to watch this complete and total insanity because it's bizarre. And so <laughs> we learned how to wrestle from my husband, who's a wrestling trainer, and we wrestled him. And that is a screenshot from the show. We was, there actually, any co- was there any coach and a referee? He's like so good. He's like, ah. Well, that is our good friend. Uh, that's our good friend, Dan Yost, who was a referee for Chikara for a long time. Okay. And um, he came out of retirement specifically to referee that match for us because he's just a good friend of ours. And nice. we think he's a great ref. Um, the, I think that the referee is like the most underplayed sure. uh, part oh, of a wrestling match. Yeah. Like they provide so much information, not only to the wrestlers, but also to the audience. Uh yeah having a great ref is super important and he yeah. was awesome and we had uh Schaefer the Dark Lord who's a nerdcore rapper uh he was our one of our MC sort of announcer characters as well yeah. as he performed a rap for the show and yeah it was it was yeah. a crazy production we actually streamed it live on independentwrestling.tv nice my father's watching this he's a he's a professional ref not in wrestling but you just probably are his favorite interview now so <laughs> uh, do, do you know Bryce you know Bryce Remsburg of course. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a buddy of mine. I've done some goofy stuff with him before. He's, he's, he's a, a ref for many years uh, that now just went to AEW. Mm-hmm. Um, and then unfortunately, like everything shut down, like right when they were kind of hitting their stride. But uh, Yeah. Bryce was a, Bryce was, and still is a huge part of Chikara. So we are in regular contact with Bryce. Yeah. He's a good okay, friend. Nice. All right. We want to, uh, we want to take it to the blunt. Let's go to the blunt. All right. So this is rapid fire questions. You ready? Sure. Well, it'll be rapid fire as soon as I can find out where I put all my questions. You got to go off the top, man. Um, Okay. Uh, What's uh, what's one album you want with you on a desert island? Uh, Staring at the Sea, the Singles by The Cure. All right. Who is your favorite wrestler besides your husband? Alley Cat. Uh, favorite Backstreet Boys song. <laughs> is Digital Get Down in sync or Backstreet Boys? I think Digital Get Down is in sync. Backstreet Boys, uh, I mean, oh God, I'm trying to think. Uh, larger than life. Okay. What one word would describe your sense of humor? Archaic. <laughs> <laughs> If you've never heard your music, what's the first song you would recommend for someone to listen to? Blood and Bone, off of my last full record, Sage and Silver Bullets. Uh, I saw that you follow Lita Ford on Twitter. If you had to choose, do you go Close My Eyes Forever or Kiss Me Deadly? Ooh, Kiss Me Deadly. Nice. Where would you, where on earth would you most want to have a second home? Galway, Ireland. Okay, nice. The last oh, wait, thing? no. The Channel Islands in, um, in Jersey, the Channel Islands in the United Kingdom. 
Okay. What's the last thing you cried about? Oh, someone made a meme about me today. It's a nice meme, but someone okay. someone made a meme that says, um, it's like, oh, when you see Kate Nix has dropped a new track and it's got like three wrestling announcers freaking out with excitement. And it was just the nicest thing that has ever happened to me. And it definitely made me cry. Awesome. If you could open for any musician, living or dead, who would it be? Um, man, living or dead, shit. Okay, that extends the catalog. It's rapid fire, Kate. I know, I know, I'm trying, I'm trying. Um, Marilyn Monroe. Nice. Uh, is it me? Uh, what mm -hmm. would be your uh, wrestling theme music to enter the ring to? When I, res when I wrestled, my theme music was American Woman by The Guess Who. Okay. Or the who? I never remember guess if it's it. the guess, guess who. Okay. Philly or Detroit, and in three words, describe why. Ah, uh, Philly, because it's not dystopia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's hotter, John Oliver or Harry Potter? That's the same shit, dude, and you know it. <laughs> <laughs> that is the One's same just man. The younger version. Yeah. You show you have you seen. John Oliver and Harry Potter in a room together. <laughs> you haven't. No, See, you I haven't. Mean, I would go Harry Potter. John Oliver's a little too snarky for me. Could... What uh, what decade would you most want to travel back in time to? None of them, because racism's real bad. <laughs> I feel like we could just end it right there, but I'll keep I'll keep it going. Yeah. Um, uh, where's the first place you're going when this is all over and it's safe? Um, I actually am uh, basically homebound due to chronic illness, so probably nowhere. I hope you feel better. Uh, this is, it's my life. I'm honest, I feel like I was personally built for this apocalypse because I make my music out of my home. I produce videos out of my home. Everything I, everything I make or could want to make is here. I mean, I made a freaking puppet because I felt like it. So nice. Nice. I feel like I was sort of built for the pandemic. And honestly, I'm going to be a little sad when it's over because everyone else gets to go back out to the real world and I have to stay here in internet land. Mm -hmm. Johnny. Uh, what is the uh, most exciting thing you can imagine happening in your life? That I get off food stamps. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, or something of that ilk. Like, yeah. honestly, all of my problems have to do with money. So, like, anything connected to financial stability and having a clean home that I don't hate being in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I... Is it you or me? I don't know. I'm confused right now. Yeah, I think I Go think ahead. you. I think he skipped it. Whatever. Well, I did. Greg wasn't. Greg wasn't. He, he was the one. Greg I, was the one <laughs> talking about rapid fire, and then it was his turn, and he just he just bounced. He just I, went silent. So I had to I ask I ask everyone when we interview this. What is the secret or what advice would you give to making a relationship work? Hmm. To making a relationship work. You have to remember that everyone's actions are their own. Mm. That there's nothing like, no matter what you do, if someone does something, it's not your fault. You may have done things that have made them feel a certain way and then they, they participated in those actions. But the action itself 
normally it's not connected to you. It's connected to their own history of trauma or what their job is or what their day was like or how the last person that they spoke to spoke to them. It's not necessarily about that. And I think it's important to remember that everyone is the main character in their own movie and everyone is responsible for their own decisions as much as you can uh, try to convince someone of something, whether they, if they don't really want to do it, short of brainwashing and drugs, they will not do it. So I think that's really the most important thing to, to keep in mind because you can take a lot of shit on yourself thinking that like, oh, well, my husband was mad today or he didn't like this. So that's my fault. And now I have to make up for it. And for some reason, but like, no, he can, he's going to be what he's going to, he's going to do what he's going to do. He's going to say what he's going to say. He's going to be how he's going to be. And he can either choose to get on the same wavelength or we can stay apart. Uh, Kevin Costner or Tom Hanks? What is this question? Why do you always ask this question? Yeah. Who cares about Kevin Costner? He's such a, he's a, he's a tool. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't go so far to say he's a tool, but like, I'm pretty sure that who I'm picturing as Kevin Costner is just another white dude. (laughs) Probably. Like I can, I can bring like Tom Hanks. I'm like, Oh, Tom Hanks. I know who Tom Hanks is, but Kevin Costner. I'm like, is that Greg Kinnear? Is that Dennis Quaid? That hurts me so much. Kevin Costner was like, like in, in the zeitgeist. That's not true. I've lived forever. This is just my mortal form. Uh, okay. All right, fair enough. Uh, what, uh, are, are, you, are you binge watching anything for the uh, pandemic? We just finished Community. Um, which we watched through another time. And Throwing I forgot. Abbott in the morning. <laughs> yes, 100%. Um, I forgot how good that show was. Like, I'm, I mean, God, there's. Slept on, slept on. It, 100%. But honestly, I feel like a lot of people see the jokes too, um, like, on too much of a surface level. Like, a lot of the stuff that's said in that show, you have to, like, there's really two, you're kind of two beats behind whatever the people are saying. So you have to, I think it requires a little bit too much mental work for people who just want to watch passive television because it's a show that really makes you go, Oh shit. Fuck. Yeah, no, you're right. Shit. Fuck. Um, But the other show that we're really enjoying right now is what we do in the shadows. It's not, (laughs) it's not bingeable because it's weekly, but holy fucking shit. That show, yeah. Taika Waititi, I don't know like what it yeah. is about him, but yeah. everything that man touches is incredible. Yeah. Thor Ragnarok was great. Yeah. He was like he was great in The Mandalorian. He was great directing The Mandalorian. Yeah. Like th- also yeah. you don't really Shout see Shout out to Jackie Daytona. <laughs> yes, 100 fucking percent. Jackie Daytona is the reason this town's alive. That's right. That's um, right. <laughs> I think there's something you about... losers don't know about that. Oh, no, I have no idea what you're talking about right now. <laughs> and also, I also like that show doesn't try to not be goth. Like it just right. knows kind of how goth and creepy it is. It's like the Adams family. Like they didn't try to be. They yeah. didn't like tone it down to make yeah. it any less weird. It's it's goofy. It's good goofy fun, yes. and we need that right now. Yeah. And Matt Berry is just such a great actor. Have, yeah. If you haven't seen, yeah. have you seen Garth Marenghi's Dark Place? I've been watching him on the toast of the toast of London <laughs> on Netflix. Holy shit. Uh, Garth Marenghi's we're off Dark the rails Place. Now. <laughs> no, this is very important information. Garth Marenghi's Dark Place 
is a show. It's a British TV show. So it's pretty short. Mm-hmm. Like it's easy to, it's, you can inhale it very quickly. It's a show about a show that's essentially like a, it's a, following a Stephen King kind of horror writer. Mm-hmm. And it's as if that horror writer was starring in a TV show in a medical and a horror medical <laughs> drama of his own making. Like it's a guy who wrote the book starring in the TV show. And it's a show about the process of getting the TV show made and how it happened. And it is genius. It's got Richard Iowati. If you don't, if like he's from the I crowd, IT crowd. And I think he was also another, he was also another one of the droids in, in star Wars recently. Okay. Um, but uh, so it's got Matt. Our answers. Uh, we 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 got we got Kate pretty fired up with this one. <laughs> here, here. Listen, I care a lot about obscure British television and <laughs> Josie and the Pussycats, the 2001 comic book to movie adaptation starring <laughs> Rachel Lee Cook, Tara Reid, and Rosario Dawson. <laughs> all right, all right. We we're gonna watch it. The three of us. That's our assignment. Yeah, I'm gonna watch that this weekend. This, I'm excited. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. And the music in it was produced by Babyface, so it's really fucking good. Okay, I love Babyface. I'm fired up. I'm fired Kate, up. Kate, can I ask you one more question? Sure. Is it is it weird or odd that Johnny's got a a dude behind, just a person behind him checking out his ass the whole? Yeah, I noticed oh, the that. whole interview. Yeah, he's like, "Hey, kids, I'm, I'm check out this yeah. pop culture meme as my background." <laughs> actually, I actually just realized I knew the meme, so I was just like, "Oh, there's a meme background." But I just realized now that you were placed in frames so that you yeah, took yeah. the place right. of so the villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It just, he thinks about yo. He thinks about this. <laughs> shit before like not, interviews like, oh, i'm gonna connect. kill him with this one I, you went full community on me i should have got i should have taken it to the next level i just saw it at the surface i was just like okay a meme's there yeah. i guess this is happening yeah. now i weird. see there's uh, levels to it there's uh, levels there's levels yeah. to this shit yeah all right <laughs> all right well kate uh give us your uh give us your socials let's uh get all that stuff out there so everybody can hear your uh your wonderful music and uh find out about uh all the creative stuff that you're making Word up. Uh, my, I, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at I am Kate Nix. Kate spelled like the basic white girl way and Nix NYX. You can also find all of my like uh, music and videos and links and stuff at katenix.com. Uh, if you want to hang out with me every Tuesday evening, I do a live stream out of my home right now. I'm on, this is like a rare time where I'm speaking. I'm currently on vocal rest because I went too hard in quarantine because I was like, I know how to do live streaming. I'm going to do it all the time now. And I (laughs) totally messed myself up. So I'm actually just getting, I just started singing again today and I'm like trying to coach myself back into it. But I'm keeping a placeholder there now by streaming my earlier episodes and just like hanging out and watching with people in the chat. So people can sort of see where the stream that I, I started in the summer of last year, I've been going every week since then. I didn't have to i didn't stop until recently um so i'm i'm online on the internet on facebook and on katenix.live every tuesday at 8 p.m eastern standard uh check out the new youtube channel youtube.com slash closet champion you can also follow my business closet champion on all the social media uh most of the time i'm on twitter though that's like really the place where i hang out the most i feel like it's the it like knows it's a trash fire in a different way than their other social media. Like Facebook's right, like right. trying to pretend well, it's a quilting group and you're like, uh, well, well, face Facebook, your mom and aunts are on there. Twitter. It's just the wild west, man. Oh, it's so like exactly. Mad Max Twitter. A hundred percent. It's, I'm, 
We're, we're all contributing to the end of society, but we all kind of know that we are. No, that's the thing is I don't believe that. I don't believe that to be true. This isn't the end of society because all this is doing is taking the fucked up congealed bullshit that everyone sort of like lets percolate in their head all the time and ruin themselves, right? And then they put it out on the internet and you're like, hey, maybe don't think like that. And they either freak out and double down and become a worse person or they're like, oh shit, maybe I shouldn't be a racist anymore. Or, right. oh shit, maybe women are people or whatever. Because I, there are definitely, I just did this recently where like people always say like, don't ignore the, com ignore the comments or don't ign or ignore the trolls or whatever the fuck. But this dude wouldn't leave me the fuck alone. So I decided to make a t-shirt out of the dumb bullshit he was saying about me and make money <laughs> off of it. And like, and I have gotten oh, people excellent. fired from their jobs for the bullshit they say to me online because I'm like if you just came to me a random woman out of nowhere and you have your information for your job on your Facebook and you decided to harass me about my choices and call me horrible slurs of any kind that you can think of maybe you shouldn't be representing your company publicly and it turns out their companies think that fucking way too so like <laughs> I think really what we're doing is essentially teaching people that like you can't just be an asshole all the time like it's not I mean, you can be an asshole all the time, but people- There's consequences. There's consequences. Like freedom of speech, you're not freedom from consequences. Like right. I, I don't have to listen to whatever bullshit you're spewing. And I also don't have to just pretend it doesn't exist because yeah. for some reason, like the worst things you say to me, the more important it is that I ignore it because I'm supposed to be this emotionless face, but you're allowed to spew hatred at me. So what the fuck is that about? Go fuck yourself. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. We need to start holding each other accountable and having this sort of weird time where we're, where everybody has to use the internet right now, right? Everyone's sort of mm -hmm. required to be in this new landscape. And it's so much more personal, I think, than person-to-person -person communication. Because if I were talking to you in regular life, we would have social barriers Right. that would determine what we were allowed to talk about based on where we were or who, or who we were with or what time of the fucking day it was or whatever. But because we're in this space where I'm talking from my home to you and your home, we're at a different level of comfort. And that level of comfort makes a different type of communication. And I think that communication, as long as you have empathy and you understand that there are people at the other end of the line I think it can be really touching and I think it's really important as we move forward as a society to utilize stuff like this because there are people who will never feel comfortable coming forward talking about themselves or their lives like myself who had to basically create a weekly concert because I couldn't physically get out to do gigs because I can't carry my own guitar to a show or whatever and you wouldn't have heard from me otherwise, but I think, think it's still important that my music is out there, you know? Like, just mm -hmm. because I can't play a gig at a bar doesn't mean that my music has no right to be heard. And I don't think that the internet is the collapse of society at all. I think it's, it's the collapse of the way that society views, the way that people view each other right now. I think mm -hmm. there are boundaries that are collapsing and it's uncomfortable, but I don't think it's the collapse of society like, oh, Rome is falling. I mean, Rome is falling, but honestly, fuck Rome. And we're going to learn a lot about each other and it's going to be painful because change is always painful. And it's important that we allow ourselves to grieve the giant chasms that are being burst into everybody's lives. But there's also room for something better to grow from that. There's going to be space for something different to come out of it. And I think that 
stuff like this, podcasts and live streams and being able to access people where they're most comfortable, we're going to get a different type of authenticity of connection than we would if we were trying to have this conversation at a coffee shop. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know how, how I mean, you put a, you put a, you put a pin in that, man. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kate. We appreciate yes, you coming on the show. Thanks, thank Kate. you so much for having me. No problem. Make sure keep you on, have my husband on, on so yeah. he doesn't get jealous. Yeah, please, yeah, I don't want him to get I don't want to get beat up in the street. Yeah, you're, you're gonna get another <laughs> DDT. <laughs> Peace. All right. All right. Later. Thank you. Bye. Just the sound of Philadelphia. Yo, yo. Welcome to the home of brotherly love. Brothers covered in blood. The man's office is covered in bugs. The youth dreams cut short.